Today's reading is from Psalm 12. Help, Lord, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. Everyone lies to their neighbor. They flatter with their lips, but harbor deception in their hearts. May the Lord silence all flattering lips and every boastful tongue. Those who say, by our tongues we will prevail. Our own lips will defend us. Who is Lord over us? Because the poor are plundered and the needy groan, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. And the words of the Lord are flawless, like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. You, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked who freely strut about when what is vile is honored by the human race. This is the word of the Lord. Okay, this is better. Yeah, sorry. The button went the wrong way. Do keep that passage open, and if you don't have it, we've uh, printed it out, and you can pick up a sheet at the back with the... We were not allowed to put out Bibles, because then, you know, COVID and everything, so we've printed the passage out on sheets, and you can get one at the back if you need one. Don't be embarrassed about that. But uh, why don't I lead us in prayer as we come to God's Word? Our Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's beautiful, it's precious, it shows us who you are. I pray that you would speak to each of us now. Uh, take uh, weak and tired vessels and speak through them uh, by your spirit that we might know you more and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me open this. Great. Well... I don't know if you're coming to our prayer meeting often. I think it's, uh, it's always a good thing to do. And you hear a lot. I mean, we have these mission partners, and we pray for them uh, every week. But often we, uh, they're just a bit distant, and we don't really know what's going on. But in uh, every prayer meeting, they share kind of what's going on. And especially when Christian action comes. Uh, Clarissa prayed for the um, Center for Refugees. But it's also the Migrant Domestic Worker Center. And they, they always tell you, you know, uh, look what some helpers in Hong Kong are going through. Yeah, we have uh, BF ladies here, and they always give thanks. Oh, I have a good employer. Uh, well, actually, there were some pretty bad employers. Uh, one time they shared this story about this, uh, this woman uh, from Indonesia, Eka, and what she had to go through. Uh, she had to get up at 4 a.m., for work and finish at midnight. That were her working hours. Uh, she didn't have a room. She had to sleep on a mattress in the living room until she woke up late one day and they threw away the mattress. Uh, she never got a holiday during six and a half years. And no Sundays, no public holidays, just every day, uh, yeah, every day having to work. She was physically assaulted, CCTV everywhere. She even had a portable one that she had to take with her when she went to the toilet. Uh, it's terrible, right? And she had no phone. She wasn't given one. She couldn't contact anyone. Her family didn't know how she was doing. 
And you hear that and you think, in this beautiful city, that kind of stuff going on. Someone suffering like that and, and no one knows. And, and, and no one can help. And no one cares. I, I don't know, you know, maybe you, it's, it's not those kind of stories. You hear the news. It's so depressing. We see the world and we see the, the suffering and the injustice. And don't you feel, what a world. Does no one care? And of course, this is God's world. So that's the question, right? Does God care? What does God think of, of all this suffering happening, all this injustice, of the way people are suffering? It's a question that many people have. And as we do this series in the Psalms on, on God's character, what he is like, it's something we need to address, right? How does God feel about the poor and needy? And if he cares, is he going to do something about it? Well, and this is, a, this is a great psalm. That's where we're going today. And it, it should be good news for us, right? If God cares. Because if you read this psalm, I'm sure you heard it. Eh? It's pretty much a, a messed up world. So if you read verses 1 to 4, eh, you know, how does it start? You know, help, Lord, help me. <laughs> uh, David is, is crying out for help because look how terrible things are. Uh, verse 1, for no one is faithful anymore. Those who are loyal have vanished from the human race. It's like there isn't a single good person left everywhere he looks. Uh, verse 8, uh, the wicked freely strut about. Uh, like a, like a, you know, they, they should be locked up. They should be gone. But they're, they're walking around freely committing evil and, and no one's stopping them. Uh, what is vile is honored by the human race. And things are so upside down that, you know, disgusting behavior is just being celebrated on the streets. Uh, uh, like people <laughs> you can see sometimes uh, around the world now. Uh, a terrible world. Um, now, in a way, of course, you know, if people want to sin, many people say, well, this is their business. Yeah? You know, you just look down on them. That's what we often do. Of course, the problem is people are suffering. If people sin, other people are going to get hurt, right? Verse 5, uh, the poor are plundered and the needy groan. Uh, people who malign them. That's the thing, right? Sin is not an individual thing. We think that, you know, it's just me and I don't affect anyone else. No, people sin and they hurt others. Although when you heard this psalm, I don't know what kind of terrible world you were expecting. Well, what is David so upset about? Well, it's oppressive speech, Right? Every verse has something about saying, right? It's all about lips and tongue and, and words and lies and right? it's all speaking. I want to spend some time on that because most of us think, well, speaking doesn't really matter, right? So it's just words. Yeah? Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words can never hurt me. Actually, the Bible thinks words are very important. Uh, it's why lying is in the same category as murder and adultery and stealing in the Ten Commandments. It's against your neighbor. And why? Well, if you speak words, in a way, you have a chance to control people. Because how do people live? Well, we, we act on what we think, on what we believe. But how, what do we think and believe? Well, it's based on what we hear from others, right? What, I, what people tell me, that is what I think, and that's how I'll act. Let me give a simple example. Uh, you're going to meet a friend, and actually you don't want to. You're, you're, you're not bothered. So you tell them, and you say, I'm really sorry. I'm feeling a bit sick, so I can't make it. Now, the truth is that you're just being selfish, right? 
and uh, that's what they should think about you. Instead, they feel sorry for you. They think you're a really good friend who really would love to spend time with them, but you're a victim, right? So you, you've fallen sick and they feel sorry for you and they, uh, they want to do something nice for you because you couldn't meet them. Very different, right? But th- that's your words that have changed how they think and how they will act. That's the thing, right? Lies manipulate people. The truth builds people up. Lies, well, you can control people. Uh, I mean, we see that in many ways. Of course, we all know the kind of the person who, you know, they're they're wicked, but they can portray themselves as good. From verse 4, those who say, by our tongues we will prevail, our own lips will defend us. They get into trouble, but they... They're, they're a smooth talker. Uh, they lie. They can get themselves out of it. They, they, they talk themselves. Hey, you know what's really going on, but maybe someone at work, right? Very popular. The boss gets, gives them the promotion, and actually you know it's, it's just lies. Or maybe it's the other way. Maybe you're a good person, but people slander about you. People paint a bad picture of you. I, I think that was what David was going through. I mean, how did... Well, why was David on the run and, you know upset about all these lies well we saw it in 1 Samuel right why was the army after him well David is trying to take over the kingdom Saul said and so get rid of him because he's a, he's a traitor of course he wasn't but that's what people said and those words meant he was a fugitive on the run um, you can see it in the courts right we see both you know here's the rich criminal and here's the poor victim but the rich criminal has the money to buy a good lawyer who, with their smooth talk, you know, convinces the jury. And you know what? They go free. And, and the poor person goes to prison. It's so unjust, right? But it's the power of words, the power of a, of a good lawyer who can sm- talk smoothly. Lies and deceit. We see it even bigger, right? Uh, politics. If you go, uh, if it's election time in the West, all these politicians vote for me and, uh, you know, I will make everything come right <laughs> we know that's not true right uh, but it's all so many, so many lies I don't know how Brexit would have gone if everyone would have just told the truth or some countries even worse right uh, North Korea uh, communist regimes completely built on, on lies uh, you're, you're building nuclear weapons oh no no it's just a power plant for, because we care so much about our people can we come and check? no uh, why not? Right? Something to hide. But, but, but that's just for us. How about the people in a country like North Korea? They are oppressed, right? Because of all the lies. They work so hard for this regime because they believe that uh, we have this wonderful leader who is so smart and cares so much about us. But it's just those, those nasty Americans who make things difficult for us. But if we just work hard and support the regime, uh, our, our great leader can make things right. And these people suffer and they just don't know any better because it's all lies. Yeah? They don't know any better, right? There's, there's no internet, no books. The government controls everything people see, everything people read. Yeah, and then you can control people, right? With lies. I mean, it, it's a huge issue. Um, in a few weeks, uh, we have one more psalm and then we're doing issues facing Hong Kong and one of them will be fake news. It, it's a huge issue uh, in the West as well. You know, how does... Social media control what we think. Um, so, yeah, looking forward to that. No, on so many levels, right? Lies that oppress. Though, if we're honest, 
I mean, are we really always truthful? You know, I, I'm very slow at email. I'm very slow. Why am I slow? It's not that I can't type fast, but I, I want to word it in exactly the right way to get the result I want, right? I, I, you know, saying it like this, saying it like that. I mean, it's good not to offend people, but I just want to get my way, right? Or when I apologize, I, I, I word it exactly right just to make sure it sounds like a mistake rather than a sin. I don't know if you do that. I, I do that. Or, you know, someone mentions a problem to me and uh, a few weeks later, hey, uh, this has been, uh, thanks for praying, this is great. And I say, yeah, I've been praying for that. I haven't, I just forgot. But I don't want to come across as an uncaring person, right? I want to come across as a godly and prayerful. It's so easy yeah, to, to manipulate people in what they think of you, in what they think of uh, the world by my lies. I mean, let's have a think, you know, how, how truthful really are we? If we're honest, when David says there's no one faithful, you know, <laughs> everyone lies. To be honest, we're all doing that, right? And actually, if you think about it, we're, if we're controlling people's actions, it's not just hurting other people, right? Aren't we in some way taking God's place? Aren't we defying God? I mean, that's what these people say, right, in verse 4. Uh, by our tongues we will prevail, our own lips will defend us. Who is Lord over us, you know? We're in charge. We can do what we want. And yeah, if you have the right words, you can do what you want. I mean, God is the one who controls the world by his words, right? But when we lie, when we twist the truth, we are trying to control the world with our words. The world with our words. We're taking God's place. In a way, that's how bad it is to lie, right? Defying God, taking his place as we try to take charge of the world with our words. Well, that's why in verse 5, it's God who speaks. God says, well, I will now arise. I'm going to do something. Uh, David has been waiting for that. He's been praying for that. Uh, verse 3, may the Lord silence all flattering lips. Lord, do something about this. Well, verse 5, God will. God will act. Uh, he, uh, you know, what will he do? He will arise. He will he will protect the poor and needy, verse 5, uh, from those who malign them. Verse 7, you, Lord, will keep the needy safe and will protect us forever from the wicked. Lord, you care, you will do something. And that's the wonderful thing here, right? It's a terrible world. It's a messed up world. Everyone lies, injustice, poor and needy, groaning. Well, God will arise. God is going to act. That's what it says. And he cares. He, he notices. He knows. He, he saw that helper from Indonesia. They are suffering. And he cares. And he will do something. He will, well, he will cut off. He will judge. Right? Verse 3. That David's prayer. Silence all these flattering loves. But I hope you can see that's good. Right? Many of us, we struggle. God will judge. I hope. Why does he going to come and judge? Well, because the needy are groaning. Because the poor are being plundered. It's a good thing to get rid of evil. To make the world a good place where people no longer suffer. Although, there's the million-dollar question. Well, well, how does God do that? I mean, I, I see the world. It's still pretty bad. It was bad 3,000 years ago. It's still bad. How is God going to make the world a better place? Uh, how is he going to 
you know, protect the poor and needy? Well, I can think of three ways. Uh, one, of course, you know, just providence, just the way he rules the world. I mean, David, in a way, he got this prayer answered, right? We saw that in 1 Samuel, David was on the run for years, and he was never caught, right? He was kept safe. God does keep people safe regularly. You know, uh, there are poor Christians who can testify how God always provided for them. I shared last week about this missionary friend of mine who was kept safe uh, from the police. Uh, We hear of abusers who are being caught and arrested. We hear of politicians who lied and are exposed. God is at work in the world, and he regularly, you know, takes care of the needy. But at the same time, it's only a half solution, right? Only, you know, if, if, if there's still injustice, but the needy are kept safe. Actually, God is going to do something bigger and, and longer term and more systemic. What is he doing? He's making a better world. He wants to make the world right. He wants to make it good. And in a way, you know, he's been doing that. I mean, this is a psalm of David. Why do we have so many psalms of David? Why did God raise up this godly man? Well, to be a good king. A king who did justice and righteousness and cared for the poor. That's why God raised up David. Maybe, why was he so caring? Maybe he didn't grow up in the palace. He didn't grow up rich. He was a, a fugitive. And maybe that's why he learned to care for the poor. I don't know. Of course, later he sinned and lied a lot. But the idea that a good king will make things better. Of course, Jesus was then the ultimate king, right? Jesus who cared for the oppressed and the hungry and the poor and everyone and helped them. You know, God wants to make the world better. Of course, Jesus is gone now. He's in heaven. But Jesus is still at work in the world. How? Oh, through the church. The church. We're the body of Christ, right? God is making the world better. And what is he doing? Well, he's saving people and bringing them together in a a new humanity, a a wonderful community of grace and love. And, uh, you know, where there's no poverty and no injustice, where everyone cares about each other, a community that shares his heart. In a way, that's God making the world better. God dealing with oppression and injustice, making the church. Have you ever thought about that? If I ask you, why did God save you? What would you say? My, my guess most of us, well, he loved me and didn't want me to go to hell. That's absolutely true. But there's more than that. Because he wants to make the world a better place. He wants you to stop hurting those around you. That's why he saved you and he gave you his spirit and, and changed you, right? I, I'm no longer the same person because God wants to make the world better. He's slowly giving me a heart like his. And he gives me gifts and resources so that I can do good in the world rather than harm. That's for all of us. Right? The church is God making the world better. Think about all the good things that Christians have done. All the evil like child labor and slavery and you know, uh, the way women were oppressed and infanticide and gladiator games and so many terrible things. And, and who stopped those things? Well, the church, Christians campaigning and fighting and, and, and just making the world better. Individual Christians now who are involved in many ways in, in caring professions like, you know, 
teaching and, and, and medical work or you know, you're a lawyer but rather than just making profit actually I want to help people with that uh, mission partners you know, Christian Action they, they help this woman from the start and, and you know or the refugees or you know we have a lot of missionaries who work with you know the yeah the Norwegian missions so many wonderful uh, mission partners who do good in the world that's the church that is God making the world better protecting the needy caring for them although of course we can't do everything right it's not it is helping, but it's a sinful world. It will never be fully paradise here. Uh, we look around, and the church has done amazing things in 2,000 years. God has worked amazing things through us, but there's still so much going on. And the third way, ultimately, well, one day, <laughs> it will really be over. God will really arise and get rid of all evil once for all. I mean, it sounds quite definite, right? Now I will arise. Jesus is going to get up from his throne and, and come down. Uh, because in a way, that's what David wants, right? Verse 7, you will protect us forever from the wicked. Ultimately, we want a forever solution and not just an ongoing sin. Of course, that's quite a thought, right? For God to come down and get rid of all evil once and for all, to bring full justice, to repay everyone for everything they've done to make sure every wrong is righted it's going to be so big that it's the end of the world I, I talked about it in January from Habakkuk 2, I mean it's going to be it's going to be big although you then wonder well, why doesn't God do that now I mean that's so important for us to know again it's because other, we wouldn't be ready otherwise I mean, it says very clearly, right? May the Lord silence all flattering lips. For God to make the world right means get rid of all liars. Well, that includes all of us. Right? For God to make the world right is getting rid of all of us. And he doesn't want to do that yet. He wants us to give us a chance to be saved. That's why Jesus came and he died and he took the punishment for our sin. And we can come back to him. So that when he comes in judgment, we'll be ready. Uh, like uh, it says in 2 Peter God is not slow in keeping his promise it's not that he's forgotten about the injustice no he's patient with you not wanting anyone to perish but all to reach repentance uh, he wants us to come back to him before it's too late but one day yeah he will come and he will judge and he will repay and, and everything will be right that's our hope that's our goal and if you are trusting in Jesus, we can be ready. The only thing is we need to wait. And that means, well, we need to trust God's words. We need to be trusting God's word. Because, in a way, this psalm doesn't end very well, right? Uh, you'd love a happy ending, but, but look at verse 8. Yeah, who freely strut about when what is vile is honored by the human race. It's actually a separate sentence. Like, here's the ESV. On every side, the wicked prowl, as vileness is exalted among the children of men. I mean, it's the same as verse 1, right? You know, everyone's gone. And, and verse 8, well, the, the wicked prowl around. Absolutely nothing has happened. God says he will arise, but by the end of the psalm, nothing's happened. No. But there's verse 6. And the words of the Lord are flawless. 
like silver purified in a crucible, like gold refined seven times. This strange verse about God's word. Why is that there? Well, I think that's, it's a real contrast, right? I mean, we've talked so much about the false words and the lies and the deception and the flattery. And now David says, well, I've got God's word. God's word which is flawless, which is pure, which is beautiful. And I can't rely on anyone, but I can rely on God's word. And particularly, well, God's promises, right? God's promise that he cares. God's promise that he will act. God's promise that he will save us. God's promise he will make everything right. We have those promises, and and they are true, and they are reliable. And and we need that, right? I mean, if you want any hope, you need something you can trust in. God's word, of course it's true. It's God's word, and God never lies. But it's, it's not just a doctrine. It's something we need. If you want something to try, you need something you can rely on. And so God's word, we want it to be true. Because only then can it give us hope and peace as we live in this world. And so, <laughs> how much is God's words in us? How, much, how is our Bible reading? Are we soaking it up so that it's there? So we can, when everything is dark and we see the injustice and it's getting worse in the world, and we can hold on to that. Uh, are we in our links groups? Are we speaking God's words to each other, helping each other hold on? Uh, are we speaking it to those outside? Because a lot of people are suffering. And actually, God's words can set them free. Finally, words that bring freedom and not oppression. Words of hope. Uh, yeah. God will come. God will do it. But in the meantime, we need the word. And that is how in the midst of all this world, we, we, we can hold on. And we can do good. We can live. We can love. While we hope in our great God. So why don't we pray we would do that as the music team comes up. Father, thank you. Thank you that you love. Thank you that you care. Thank you that you see all the suffering and injustice in this world. You see how the poor are plundered and the needy grown. Thank you that you will act. Father, we thank you for making us ready through Jesus. But we pray that we would hold on we pray that we would be your instruments here we would do good we would seek to make this world a better place uh, as your instruments against the injustice we see and yet we know we need you to step in ultimately help us to hold on to your words would it be part of our lives would it not be in our heads only but also go down to our hearts so we can hold on so we can proclaim and bring people your truth your truth that sets free father please do that work in us in jesus name amen